Three more weeks. We have three more weeks on this series on heaven. And today, we're going to go to time. And to do that, i got to get my prop. Today's a special Sunday, and not just for the church, everything special in church life, but... Oh, junior church. Thank you, Vicki. Children may be dismissed to junior church. Let you make your way out. Have a football. In case you don't know, it's a football. Today is Super Bowl Sunday, right? What is the same in every football game? What is, what, what is common in every single football game? What did you say, Barb? You said something. Football. football. Every football game is a football, right? Something else, though. There's something else that has to be and is very, very, very important in every football game. What? Time? Quarters and time. Time is, right? You cannot play football without the clock, without the time. In fact, a few years ago, uh, Terry Bradshaw, former star uh, Steelers quarterback, made some news when he said the Steelers head coach, Mike Tomlin, is not a great football coach, not a great head coach. And this was five or six years ago. There you go. There you go, Gary. He made some news. And when he defended what he said, when he defended what he said, one of the things that he said is he mismanages the clock. So when they talk about football, they talk about quarterbacks, they talk about coaches, they talk about assistants, they talk about clock management, managing the clock. And so the question is, will there be time in heaven. If there's no time, there's no football. <laughs> or baseball. I don't know. Is there a clock in baseball? I don't watch baseball that much. Maybe I don't. You guys can educate me on that later. If there's no time, there's no music. If there's no time, there's no baking. If there's no time, there's a lot of other things. Will there be time in heaven? So here in a moment, I want to look at what does the Bible say about time in heaven? What does the Bible say about that? You know, sometimes I get up to preach, get up for the sermon, and maybe, just maybe, you look at your clock. There's a story that I heard that was quite humorous. John MacArthur, uh, maybe you've heard of him. You can hear him on Christian radio, and he's got commentaries and books out and a great, great study Bible. Well, when he first preached at his current church, he's been there 54 years. The first Sunday he preached there, he got up and he preached an hour and a half. 90 minutes. Now, I preached long, but I've never gone that long. And as he left, he drove away and he told his wife, he said, well, there goes that church. But they called him back, and they wanted him to preach again. And the following Sunday, he came to preach there, and he noticed a really big clock on the back wall. 54 years later, he's still preaching there most every Sunday, though I think I understand he's very sick right now. You know, we're very mindful of time, aren't we? We're very mindful of time. I've, I, I'm very mindful of time. I've worn a watch since... First grade, I've known how to tell the time and, and watch the time. I still really clock everything by time. And, and that can be a blessing and a good thing. Oh, thank you. Before, you knock it over. Before I knock the flowers over, you're going to push them back. Good catch. That can be a blessing, but it can also be a hardship, right? So will there be time in heaven? And I want to talk more about that. Today, my theme is there will be time in heaven, but we will not be limited by it. There will be time in heaven. I believe the Bible shows that there will be time in heaven, but we will not be limited or at least burdened. We won't be burdened by it. 
We're not going to become God. We're not going to become omnipresent. We're not going to become omnipotent. We're not going to become omniscient. We're still going to have certainly limitations, but not the burdens of time. We're always burdened by time, aren't we? So whether encouraging or discouraging, there will be time in heaven. You know, I don't know whether you hate time or not. If you hate time, don't be discouraged yet. If you like time, then maybe this is encouraging. Think about this. Without time, we can't cook, right? You have to know how long to set the timer on the, on the stove for, how long to set the timer on the oven for. You have, to, you have to know that. Without time, you may not be able to play certain sports. There has to be a time for some of that. We can't play music, right? Because you have to know how long to hold a note. And, and what about that next note and all that stuff? So you have to have time for that. There are other things that require time, right? There, there are things such as planting and harvesting, and even assignments that have due dates. We can't even fathom an existence without time. Maybe we would like it, but ultimately you need time for certain things. So it appears from certain passages in the scriptures that we will have time in heaven, in the intermediate heaven and the new heaven and new earth. We will have time. And I'm just going to give a list of about 10 um, points about this, pretty much rapid fire actually, throughout the scriptures to show this. The first one, heaven's inhabitants track with events happening in time, right down to rejoicing the moment a sinner on earth repents, Luke 15, verse 7. So they're rejoicing based off of moments. They're tracking with events that happen in time. Another one, martyrs in heaven are told to wait a little longer when they ask how long before Christ will judge the inhabitants of the earth and avenge the martyr's blood. You can see that in Revelation 6, 10 through 11. So that's a scene of heaven. That's a scene of heaven. And the, and the martyrs are asking, when, 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 which is a time word, by the way, when are you gonna bring judgment? When is that gonna come about? If they were outside of time, they wouldn't know when. They wouldn't know waiting. They wouldn't think about that because they would be outside of time. Those in heaven, again, just couldn't ask how long or be told, wait a little longer, unless time passes heaven. Number three, Paul spoke of heaven in terms of the coming ages. And that's Ephesians chapter two, verse seven. He talked about the coming ages. Now, when you talk about coming ages, you're talking about time language. So he speaks not just of a future age, but of ages, plural. Number four, God's people in heaven serve him day and night, Revelation seven fifteen. Notice how a lot of these scriptures come from Revelation. Uh, the, now, now, this is a key one. Number five. Number five is a key one. The tree of life on the new earth will be yielding its fruit every month, Revelation twenty two two. There are days and months, both in the present and eternal heaven. Because if you look at Revelation 22, that's a new heavens and new earth. That's a new Jerusalem. That's the final age. We have a tree of life yielding its fruit, month in, month out, month out. Number six, God says, the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me. God says, from one new moon to another and from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, Isaiah 66, 22 through 23. So when we talk about new moons and Sabbaths, that requires moon and sun and time. Number seven, God said in Genesis 8.22, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. 
This wasn't the result of the curse. It was God's original, God's original design, God's OEM. <laughs> original, yeah, whatever that means. Anyways, number eight. We're told that there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour, Revelation 8, 1. Isn't that interesting? It lists like a half an hour in Revelation chapter 8, verse 1. The book of Revelation shows the present heaven's inhabitants operating within time. The descriptions of worship include successive actions, such as falling down at God's throne and casting crowns before him. Revelation 4.10. There's a sequence, a sequence of events. Things occur one after another, not all at once. In Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 12, the inhabitants of heaven sing. Music in heaven requires time, meter, tempo, and rest are all essential components of music, and each is time-related. And by the way, that's why I do not sing up front or even clap, because I have no rhythm. I cannot clap and beat. I try to hide when they're doing little children's things with motions, because I am out of sync. But in heaven, maybe I'll still be out of sync, but there will be time in heaven. Certain notes are held longer than others, right? Songs have a beginning, a middle, and an end. That means they take place in time. Some think that we won't have time, and they think we won't have time because God does not have time. But remember, as I've already stated, we're not going to become God. God created time in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, long before sin entered the world. Notice that. Genesis 1:1, God created time, space, and matter. That was pre-fall. That was pre-depraved culture. That was pre-sin. And it seems like that's going to continue into the new heaven and new earth. So be encouraged. We will have time, but we will not be limited by time. You know, the discouraging thing right now is that we're limited by time, aren't we? Right now, we have a certain amount of time for rest and a certain amount of time for work. And we're always watching the clock, aren't we? Maybe you aren't. I am. We're always just thinking, okay, well, we have this much time before rest. Uh, I, I saw a Netflix special on Jerry Seinfeld. It was made in 2020, but before 2020. And he, and he went on about this. He said, congratulations, you all achieved an accomplishment for being here right now. The last day, you did all this work. You, how many times did you ask yourself, did you, do you have the tickets? Do you have the tickets? Do you, do you have the tickets? You did all this work and all this planning to get here for one hour show. And then as soon as the show's over, you do the opposite. You do all this work and the planning and the stress to get back home. How many times do you think about, you know, what time does a flight begin if you have to fly somewhere? How long are we going to be in the air? When you get in the air and you think, when do we get to land? We are always thinking about time. We even plan our work. We plan our rest, don't we? While we're resting, we're thinking when we have to work. While we're working, we're thinking when we have to rest. It's all about time. We are in the confines of time. We're limited by time. We are always thinking about that, aren't we? Even in our rest, we're thinking about time, and that's not going to be the same in heaven. There will be time. We're not going to be limited by time. We're working, and we won't grow weary, right? You won't wake up in the night and think, all right, I only got an hour left to sleep. At least I don't think we will. We aren't going to be limited by that. Right now, we are also limited by death, aren't we? 
Eventually we all die. That's part of the curse. That's part of the fallen world. We're limited by time in that way. In heaven, we're not going to have that. In heaven, we can spend forever, literally forever, with our loved ones who are with us in heaven, who have known Jesus as Lord and Savior. In heaven, we won't have that limitation. Death shall be no more, Revelation 21.4. Death shall be no more. In heaven, we will work and not grow weary. Working grew tiresome after sin. We see that in Genesis chapter 3, verse 19. That was part of the fall. That was part of the curse. Working grew tiresome. Imagine not having to think about being tired when we work. If you like cutting down trees, you can do it forever as long as God allows that in heaven. If you like, you know, studying, reading, writing, you can do that forever in heaven and you won't grow tired. Certainly we will have limitations and maybe if we enjoy sleep, maybe that's going to be there too. But it's not going to be such a burden. Not anymore. Imagine having the benefits of time without the weaknesses, right? So you can play that football game. And it's not going to be a fun game playing against an opponent if there's no clock. So you can still have to manage the clock. At the end of the day, even if you lose, you'll probably be happy and be friends and not, you know, get real angry at each other and have that ability to measure time. If you like to sing or play instruments, you have time to measure, to play, to sing. If you like to bake, you have time for that ability. And it seems like we will still be in the timeline. So in heaven, we will have time without the limitations of time. In America and most of Western culture, we are really, really, really known for being guided by the clock. I was on an overseas mission trip to the Dominican Republic. And we were doing a work project and we were waiting and waiting and waiting on more supplies. And while we were waiting on supplies, a big storm broke out, big downpour. And while it rained and downpoured, us Americans... We were frustrated. We got work to do. We got more work to do. We got work to do. But the people we were serving in the Dominican Republic, they sat down and they played dominoes. They were able to enjoy the moment. My last church, the last church I served, we did a lot of ministry with Alzheimer's patients. Once a month, we went to an Alzheimer's uh, lockdown unit at a nursing home, and we would sing hymns with them. And we actually did their Christmas party. And out of that, we ended up uh, hosting at the church Uh, three Alzheimer's support seminars. And we had the Alzheimer's Association and other groups come and they would speak and different trainings. A geriatric doctor would come and speak and different training. And at one panel of speakers, I was up front and I invited a chaplain and I think one or two others. And we're all up front just answering questions. And a chaplain at Copeland Oaks, which is retirement community, spoke. And he said, you know what's special though about people with dementia or Alzheimer's? They live in the moment. Most of us aren't living in the moment, are we? We're living for yesterday. We're living for tomorrow. We're not living for for, for the moment. We're not in the moment. And I think even as Christians, that's a challenge for us. That's an exhortation. That, That could be an application right now. That today and each day, we try to live in the moment. Live in the moment. And trust me, I preach that to myself as well. But we need to live in the moment. What did Jesus say? He said, tomorrow, tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Live for today. Live for today. It's a book, Finding Peace, by Christian philosopher J.P. Moreland, and he writes, makes, him quite, makes himself quite vulnerable, writing about his own anxiety, and writing about his own anxiety and, and depression he experienced as, as part of his plan as he came out of it the second time. It didn't hit him until he was 
<clears throat> over 50 years old. He's really old. He's like 70. Um, I'm just kidding. 70's not old, okay? <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> um, but it didn't hit him until he was older. And part of his plan was to not even look at his schedule past one week. Monday morning, he'll look at Monday's schedule for that week. He's not going to focus on the next week and the week and the week after that. Each week, each day has enough stress. Live in the moment. I believe in heaven. We're going to have time, but we're not going to be so confined, so burdened by it. And so the question I have to ask is I always must ask is where are you at spiritually? Are you going to be in heaven? Are you confident? Are you confident that you're heading to heaven? Are are, Are you living... For Jesus now. I've shared this before. It's repeat for some of you. The Bible uses four action words to describe our commitment to Christ. Confess, believe, trust, commit. Confess, believe, trust, commit. And if you're unsure of your salvation right now, I encourage you to reflect. Have you confessed, believed, trusted, and committed? The first is confess. Confess you're a sinner in need of a savior. That means repent of your sins. I'm a sinner. I need a savior. That's common for every single human being that ever lives or ever will live, except for Jesus, by the way. He never sinned, so he could be our savior, actually. So we repent of our sins. And then we believe. Believe in Jesus as the one and only savior. Believe that Jesus died on the cross for our sins and rose again. Believe John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, his only begotten son, that's Jesus, his unique son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him, and that belief is a trust, shall not perish, but shall inherit everlasting life. Have you believed that? For God so loved the world, he gave, that he gave, he sacrificed, he sent Jesus. See, we've had a sin problem. So Jesus came and he lived a sinless life. He never once sinned. He lived a sinless life because we needed a sinless substitute. We can't pay for our sins because we've already sinned. So Jesus lived a sinless life. He lived a life we could not live. He died the cross. He died the death that we could not die. He went to the cross. Have you believed that? John 14, 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. God provided a way to eternal life because God wants a relationship with you and with me and with us. Have you believed that? So we confess we are sinners in need of a Savior. We believe in Jesus as the one and only Savior. And we trust in him and commit to him. And I want to ask you, are you trusting in him and committing to him? And I believe that's a day in, day out thing. We make a first-time commitment, yes. And when we make the first-time commitment, we're saved. We make that first-time commitment, we're saved. We're set free. Angels in heaven rejoice over one sinner repents. But I strongly believe every day we need to be saying, I'm trusting in Jesus. I'm committing to Jesus. I want to ask you, are you committing to Jesus? Are you trusting in Jesus? If you are, you can be sure you'll be there in heaven with Jesus when you pass from this life to the next. I'm gonna give a prayer here in a moment. And if you're sitting there thinking, I am not, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not sure if I've committed to Jesus. I encourage you to pray and commit to Jesus today. God wants a relationship with you. God wants a relationship with all of us, with all of us. He wants a, rela- he wants a relationship with us. Let's pray together. Dearly Father, I thank you for this time just to proclaim your word and proclaim the gospel to your people. 
And Lord God, if there's people here gathered or maybe listening at home who they're unsure, they don't know for sure if they've accepted you as, as Lord and Savior, or, or maybe they accepted you a long time ago, but they're not living for you today. May they, Lord God, be sure they can commit to you today or recommit to you today, rededicate their life to you today. If that's you and you're sitting there and you think, I want to rededicate my life to Jesus. Or maybe you're there thinking, I want to commit my life to Jesus for the first time. Maybe you've always believed in Jesus, but you haven't been committed to him. Commit to him today. We're never, we never know about tomorrow. We may not even be here tomorrow. Be sure that you commit to him today and you'll be with him in heaven. And I encourage you, tell, tell Jesus in a simple prayer like this that you're committing to him. Pray like this. Lord Jesus, I confess I have sinned and missed your perfect standard. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sins and rose again. Today, Lord, I am trusting in you as Lord and Savior. Today, Lord, I'm committing my life to you. Please come into my life and help me to live for you. Jesus' name, amen. We said that prayer, angels in heaven rejoice because God wants a relationship with you. God loves you. And in a couple weeks, actually three weeks, I'm gonna start a sermon series titled that, God Loves You. And because God loves you, he sent Jesus to give himself on the cross for your salvation, for my salvation, and for the world's salvation. As always, I wanna reiterate, if you have questions about God or the spiritual life, even if you're a non-believer or even antagonistic to the faith, talk to me. I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to help you explore those questions. As a praise team comes up, and they're already up there, if God has laid anything on your heart and you want to come forward in prayer or you want to come forward and bring one of those prayer cards down, come forward. We're here to pray with you and we want to pray with you.